Have you been missing my only story? Well, hello there. And ho ho ho. I am obviously Santa. And I have an update on who's been naughty and who has been nice. Welcome to a festive My Only Story surprise for the ones who think that we have gone away entirely. We haven't. Come, let me tell you a tale of Christmas cheer. On my stoop in Johannesburg, it's just over six weeks ago. And I'm on the phone to Grahamstown. With three days to go till the end of season two, I ask one of my moles what the mood is like at St. Andrew's College. Season two, as you may recall, was a mad bloody ride, and all of us were ready to get off it. So when a mole at St. Andrew's tells me what the mood is like, I'm instantly conflicted, and indeed, deeply. I didn't record the call, because my mole is a mole, but roughly, he says, quote, This week's actually been quite chilled. Everyone knows the podcast finishes on Thursday, so people are feeling a bit more relaxed, you know, just looking forward to things getting back to normal again. End quote. My first thought when hearing this is <laughs> you and me both. My second thought is, what do you mean everyone can relax and get back to normal? That's not how this is supposed to work. Here's the fact of the matter. Season 2 has reached its end, because seasons must end somewhere in the manner of seasons. But real life is not like that. It's not a place of tidy character arcs and protagonists transformed and antagonists vanquished and all tension resolved. Ever after, journey's over, happy ever after. Real life is a mess. Events unfold in their own sweet time. Do you still feel invested in the events in Grahamstown? I know I do. The stakes have never been higher. Will the predators get away? And will the people in charge face consequences? Or will the year tick over to 2022 as slowly the noise and the scrutiny fade and some schools get to move on like they were accustomed to? Codes of silence, backroom dealings, and handshakes, and nods. We've had a bright light going. Let us not douse it quite yet. Coming in 2022, a couple of special edition episodes to update and pressure and prod. I'm Dion Wiggett. It's two weeks before Christmas Eve. And this is an extra edition of My Only Story. At St. Andrew's College, it is last week, the first week of December, and the last week of school for 2021. The Great Tens have returned from journey. The six boarding houses are being shuttered for summer. And on steep Somerset Street, a marvellous sight. For the first time anyone can remember, a Christmas tree has been installed right in front of the chapel. It's a proper Christmas tree, made from real tree, and dapper it is too, rocking a time-honored color scheme of silver, red, and green. As the doors get shut at college, the Andrians can look back on six weeks of unusual weather. 
for the first time in seven years. It's been raining and raining in the Eastern Cape. Showers and thunder showers are scattered over Eastern Cape through the central regions all the way through to the southern part of Botswana. This is SABC News two weekends ago. Showers and rain expected over the southwestern part of the Eastern Cape. But as our story moves from past to present, Kabecha, a maximum of 23. I'm going to start calling the former Grahamstown by its new name. Makanda. Makanda is expecting 25. The events of season two mostly took place in Grahamstown, but the fallout is on the ground in Makanda, at St. Andrew's College, and also at its sister school, DSG. Strong winds can lead to difficulty in navigation. So back to Makanda, we go. Good morning. That's St. Andrew's headmaster, Alan Thompson. He's had a busy month since last time we spoke. As for chairman of the board, Jacko Maria, well, these months are always busy. I suspected I was going to get a phone call after President Ramaphosa was elected to do something. I had no idea what it would be, and this is what it turned out to be. At college, behind closed doors, an inquiry has been ongoing, and Chairman Jacko's conduct has been in the spotlight, along with that of Headmaster Thompson, plus the conduct of another teacher, Scott Jackson, who used to be the head of discipline and is now the deputy headmaster. The topic, of course, was this guy. Hello! His name is David McKenzie, and as of last week, he's alive and well and living in the former Port Elizabeth, which is now called Qabecha and still fondly known as the Bay. In Qabecha, David McKenzie lives with his young family in a pretty big home in the suburbs. The property belongs to his very wealthy parents-in-law. McKenzie is regularly spotted at the local Woolworths, and at parties all across the bay. But back to Makanda and the three-person panel. Last month, the Eastern Cape's famous hospitality is bestowed upon the panel investigating the conduct of college in the McKenzie affair. According to an email that gets forwarded a few too many times in Makanda, the three persons of the panel, a retired judge, a retired school principal from Cape Town, and a retired principal from Makanda itself, will stay in the luxurious St. Andrew's guest house called the Hayho. That's H-A-Y-H-O-E. The much forwarded email to the Hayho guest house is from someone at college. It reads, quote, The review board consists of three top priority people. Please could we request that they get the three best rooms at the Hayho. They need to be treated as VIPs, please. College will cover the cost of their stay. End quote. And so, in November, the three-person VIP panel starts its hearings into the McKenzie affair. But most of the complainants refuse to attend. Charles Kruger calls the process a sham and refuses to appear in front of the VIPs. And so do Leslie McNutt and Wilder McNutt and Richard Leach and Adrian Leach and Jackie Sauer. According to a letter from their lawyer, Ian Levitt, the rules of the St. Andrew's inquiry, quote, demonstrate quite clearly that contrary to advices from the school that the inquiry will be transparent and independent, it is in fact designed to be anything but that, end quote. For instance, the VIP panel or review board, will give its recommendations to the St. Andrews board. 
The board will study the recommendations. Then, next month, it will release the full report. Or only release parts of the report, if that's what the board decides. Or release nothing at all, if that's what the board decides. Because the inquiry's terms of reference and rules give the board that right. Here's what the board is also allowed to do. Ignore any recommendations they do not like. The school has the right to ignore anything in the report that it wants to. There are other problems too, says Charles Kruger's lawyer. The review will be conducted behind closed doors. No anonymous complaints will be allowed. There will be no cross-examination of anyone's testimony. All complaints must be set out in writing and set out in numbered paragraphs. And even though the hearings will be held behind closed doors, those doors open onto Somerset Street, making one's participation a rather noticeable affair. In the lawyer's letter to St. Andrew's lawyers, he writes that the school's approach to the inquiry, quote, demonstrates that your client does not want the truth to come out, end quote. But is this fair? Time, I believe, will tell. Will the report be a whitewash, a bloodbath, or something in between? We'll let you know in the new year. But perhaps there is a clue in Chairman Jacko's letter to the Andrian community on 22 November. He tells them that the panel's work is done, and then he refers to the giant lawsuit the school now faces. That's right. Charles Kruger and his family are suing St. Andrews for 62 million rand following the suicide of Thomas in the school sanatorium. Chairman Jacko writes, quote, We have received a civil claim by Mr. Charles Kruger and two other members of the family. We believe the claim to be without merit and it is being defended insofar as it relates to the school and headmaster, end quote. But then Chairman Jacko adds a hopeful note. Quote, Council awaits the finding and recommendations of the review board and, as previously stated, is committed to acting on these findings and recommendations and other relevant submissions we have received to ensure that the standards of care at college meet global best practice. End quote. Are you curious to see the report yet? By golly, so am I. Meanwhile, over at DSG, their independent advocate has wrapped up her investigation into our reports of inappropriate behaviour by polo coach Mark Evans. In contrast to the proceedings at St Andrews, advocate Penny Bosman could be contacted informally. Earlier this week, DSG headmaster Yanni de Villiers wrote that the advocate's contact details, quote, were shared with all DSG girls, staff, parents and old girls with the invitation to relay any relevant information directly to Advocate Bosman in confidence. Advocate Bosman engaged with everyone who responded to the invitation. She also approached several role players who were able to provide information and context. This process was very thorough and extended beyond the anticipated time frame. End quote. And then Headmaster de Villiers drops an understated bombshell. Quote, the next step in the process is to draw up a charge sheet which will be presented to the teacher in question in a disciplinary inquiry. This disciplinary process 
will be led by an independent chairperson. End quote. So there you have it. DSG is drawing up a charge sheet against veteran polo coach Mark Evans. We'll have to keep an eye on that process too. There's much, much more still on the go, like an update on David McKenzie and on criminal charges, and also some unfinished business. I mean, why have bonus episodes without a bonus predator or two? On the naughty list, some more coaches and teachers we couldn't identify in October, but whom we will have to name in the public interest. Everything's still up in the air. Nothing has been solved. This summer holiday, there is still trouble in the water. Next year, a Miley story. As all of us hope for a peaceful summer and happy Hogmanay or Scottish New Year, spare a thought for the Christmas tree at St. Andrew's College. On Saturday evening, it becomes quite windy in Makanda, as it so often does. And so, on Sunday morning, 5 December 2021, the town wakes up to find that the Christmas tree did not weather the storm. On a picture from the ground, we see the no longer dapper tree lying on its side, its pretty and time-honored baubles poignantly scattered across the shiny green lawn. Behind where the tree had stood, we can see the stained glass windows of Sir Herbert Baker's beautiful chapel. As this week started, the ill-fated tree was shuttled out, and on the scene yesterday, there were no apparent signs that the replacement was imminent. The Christmas tree had barely stood for 24 hours. May your festive season be sturdy and kind. All the best from all of us. We'll see you next term. If you're able to, please support our work via myonlystory.org. We are only able to tell these stories thanks to donations from people like you. Finally, a heartfelt apology to everyone who has reached out to me and has not heard back. Your stories matter, and thank you for telling me about them. Your healing is important. Please do not be discouraged. We are working on an appropriate way to process hundreds of tip-offs while conserving my own mental health. If you need urgent help, please find someone to talk to. A place to start is myonlystory.org. Season 2 has been a co-production of the My Only Story non-profit company and News24.